Hello, and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Grunwald, a real estate agent, mother of two, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband, Jed. I hope you will join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family, because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald, Hunter Row Real Estate. I hope you're doing well. So this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I love it. I know Enneagram is super popular right now and I am not as well versed there, but there's definitely some similar themes and ideas um, with the Myers-Briggs personality assessment to Enneagram or other personality assessments. Essentially, it's giving us some language to understand one another. Um, and understand ourselves so that we can better communicate and care and love for people. Um, so I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Today's my mom's birthday. And so in a way of celebrating her, we're going to go through the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Uh, growing up, thanks to my mom, we discussed our different personalities as a family around the dinner table. And it had such a positive impact on me. So if anything, it's about self-awareness. Like I said, it's not about putting people in a box and labeling them. Um, It's more about understanding and how we're all made differently. It allows us to value our differences rather than being annoyed by them. Now, I will tell you, I am not an expert. I just have about 20 years of Myers-Briggs conversations under my belt. It started at a dinner table as a child um, with my family. So again, not an expert, please hear that loud and clear. Also, Jed and I host a preparing for marriage weekend at our home a few times a year. And this is one of our favorite topics to teach. We teach it every time we love it. And we've just found that it is super helpful um, in giving us a language to communicate within our marriage um, that helps us better understand one another. And I do have to say we have the exact opposite Myers-Briggs types. So we do not share one letter in common, which makes for an interesting dynamic. So we do not socialize, process information, make decisions or organize our things the same. Not one of those. I'm hoping that some of you share some of those things in common with your spouse because it definitely allows for some friction and some growth um, in our personal development as we are different. And so we're passionate about it because it has been really helpful to understand the differences of one another. So um, we've also seen this play out in our extended families and in our professional settings, Um, knowing and understanding these personality preferences of the people you love and work with can make those relationships easier and more enjoyable. And you heard me say preferences, right? That means that the Myers-Briggs type indicator just determines what our preferences are in these four domains. It doesn't say that you are this and um, you're stuck in this box forever. It's saying if you had a preference on a sliding continuum scale, what would be your preference in these four domains? So the first one we'll talk about and we'll go through is how you get energy and socialize. That's first domain. Second domain would be how you process information. Third, how you make decisions. And then four, how you organize things. So it doesn't mean we can't do it a different way. It just shows what we prefer the majority of the time. So this can be tricky to determine our personal preferences because our culture and our work environment have such a huge influence. For example, you may always be on time to work, not because that's your preference, but because you prefer not to lose your job. 
Does that make sense? Your preference may be to be closer to 10 to 15 minutes late, run through the door as everyone else is still getting their coffee, you start to work, but you adapt to a work culture that expects you to be there on time. Again, not a preference, it's more, um, a expectation from the company. So it may be helpful to think about what your preference would be on the weekend or um, a time where you're not restricted by, let's say, cultural boundaries or maybe even environmental boundaries within a company structure. So hopefully that makes sense. And, and that's why this can be tricky for people and there's not always clarity. I'm going to give you the link to one and I just found it real quick just to be able to show you um, one that you could do on your own. I did it last night just to make sure that it was legitimate and it was free. It took me about 10 minutes. So that's one you can try, but I would say don't do it right now. Um, you can do it after this and then you can follow back up and listen to this again, if that would be helpful. I will share again that the majority of the time means 51 percent so that's 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 the majority so when i'm talking about what's your preference the majority of the time i'm saying 51 percent of the time where would you choose to be and again in these each domain in each one of these domains again it's a sliding continuum so some people may fall further down the spectrum for a particular domain and so they appear to be the opposite of you but it's only because they don't have as strong as a preference as you do for that specific letter. So let's jump in so you have a better understanding of what I'm talking about. Um, but remember, it's a sliding scale. So visually see yourself, you know, you could be further down one side or the other. So first type we're going to talk about is how we get our energy. Okay. So this is the extrovert versus introvert. And culturally, I would say extroversion is generally perceived as a more positive trait than introversion. Now I'm going to share that I test generally closer on the introversion scale than extroversion. So we have to eliminate what culture has said is acceptable and really embrace who we are because it'll help you feel more comfortable in your space and where you work and having people understand you and in your family. So let me just ex describe extroversion, which I think a lot of you have an idea, but I want to put a new definition around it. How do you get your energy? That's how we're going to define extroversion versus introversion. So extroverts generally get their energy from being around people. They're energized by people. They generally think out loud. They're generally sociable and very expressive and tend to have lots of friends. Now, remember, these are generalizations. Remember, this is on a continuum and you may fit lots of that or some of that, but then you might also find that you fit some of the introversion qualities as well. So don't get stuck there. Think about the majority of the time. How do you get energy? Extrovert more so from around being around people. Introversion preference is those types of people generally get their energy from being alone. They think before speaking. They usually are more reserved, maybe perceived as quiet, and tend to have fewer friends, but more loyal. Okay. So with this, I always, the way I try to explain it is your cell phone. You have to plug it in at some point. So as a introvert specifically, they can feel their energy draining generally. And they know that there's a point that they have to plug in. If they don't, it is not good for them or anyone around them. So knowing your kind of capacity and when you need to recharge. So as an introvert, you may need to take some time to pull away from people in order to recharge. 
So let me give you a couple examples to think through these different scenarios to help you identify where you might fall on this continuum scale. So after a, a day at work, do you want to go out and be around people or would you prefer to stay home and recharge alone? It's a question to consider your preference. So Jed and I were for, first married. He was excited to go out and socialize when we got home at the end of the day. And I was already in my pajamas reading a book on the couch, which is a perfect picture of our two different preferences. His preference was to be around people to energize himself after a work day. For me, it was to recharge, um, to get energy back by being alone through a book by myself. So this took some time to get used to, and we learned to compromise, and we spent a little more time out than I prefer and a little more time in than he preferred, but we learned that about each other so we could help protect one another there, make sure that he was getting the socialization he needed, and then he was also protecting me to make sure that I got the, the, the time and chance to recharge. Is, it, is that making sense so far? Hopefully that's clear on those um, on that difference. Um, another example, again, this isn't a definitive that this means that you are an introvert or extrovert, but it's, again, trying to help you think through it. If you and your spouse are discussing a topic that gets heated, do you prefer to talk it out immediately, hash it out, or do you want to leave the conversation to think it over and then talk it over in a few hours or the following day? That's another potential indicator of preference of how you get um, or receive energy. Okay, so moving on, I think that one is the most clear for for people just because it's widely talked about um, in social settings, um, introversion versus extroversion. Again, um, I think most people are surprised to hear even me say my personality that I have a preference for introversion because I still have a lot to say and I'm around people a lot, but I also have boundaries in place to make sure I get the time to recharge. So you'll see me with a book reading by myself in the evenings, whereas my husband would be on the phone talking to people or engaging um, with the neighbors outside. So you can see the differences there. Okay, let's move on to the next one, which is, put it up there on the screen for you, how we process information. So sensing, this is the S versus the N, how we process information. So S stands for sensing, N for intuition. Sensing, this is where you generally learn through your senses. Think about the five senses, taste, touch, smell. Um, and we trust what we can see physically and literally with the eyes. So detail-oriented, want the facts, very practical and repeat known ways, takes things literally. That would be someone who processes information through sensing. And then the other preference is intuition. And that's where you learn through your intuition or trust the mind's eye. You have insight, innovative, imaginative. You see possibilities like change and variety take things more figuratively. So have you ever heard someone say, I have a gut feeling about this or go with your gut? I think, yeah, man, I'm hungry. My stomach's growling. <laughs> you won't hear me ask those questions because that's not how I process information. But you can always tell those people who do process information through intuition because they might say, I have a gut feeling about this or sixth sense. I have clients ask me all the time, they say, what's your gut say about this? I'm like, you don't want to know what my gut says, but I'll tell you what my sensing says, what the facts say, what I literally know through my sight or experience. So 
those are the differences in how we process information. So here's a, a scenario. If you're looking at a new home, you see a dilapidated place that is old carpeting, wallpaper, it needs a lot of work. Are you overwhelmed by what you see or are you excited about the possibilities and potential of this fixer upper? So when Jed took us into the first home we bought, his first time home buyers, newly married, it was a foreclosure that the cabinets were disintegrating because animals had peed on them so much that they fell apart when we touched them. So as I covered my nose, he told me, that's the smell of money, honey. I didn't see what he saw in this house, but he had a vision in his mind that I trusted and he created it because he had the intuition to see past the literal, which I could only see what I saw, which was nothing good. Here's another example. Um, if you get a new bookcase that needs to be put together from Ikea, do you read the directions or do you look at the pictures and wing it? Um, that would be another way of kind of determining between the two preferences. Um, another one would be when cooking. Do you follow the recipe to a tea or do you just go from experience and what you feel like in that moment, throwing some different ingredients in? That's another way of kind of determining what your preference is. Again, remember, these are preferences. It's on a sliding continuum scale and it's what you prefer the majority of the time. So let's go to the third one. And this is T versus F. And this is how we make decisions. So you have your thinking decision makers and feeling decision makers. Now you can probably guess that the vast majority of women are considered feeling decision makers and that men fall into the category of a thinking decision maker. But I, I don't fall into that. My husband doesn't fall into that. And you might not either, but that's what's going to be kind of the stereotype is that a woman's going to be the feeling decision maker. Essentially, a thinker starts from their head. They approach the problem more objectively. What is it? What are the steps to solve it? They're perceived more as critical or cool or impersonal when they're just analyzing or dissecting a situation. They definitely seek fairness. So that's someone coming from the thinking preference. And then you have your feeling decision makers. They start with the heart. They're very attuned to the mood of the room. They seek harmony, very good at empathizing with people, trying to find the common ground and trying to make emotional appeal. Now, what I'll say is, or the way I like to explain it is that when making a decision, you either start with the who or the what is impacted. That so doesn't mean that you don't care about the other. It's just which one do you start with? So for example, if you find a puppy wandering on its own, are you overcome with sympathy? Or do you start weighing the time and impact of taking this puppy in, okay? So for me, I, as a thinking decision maker, think about who's gonna get up in the middle of the night to take the puppy out, who's gonna buy the dog food, who's going to bathe the dog and take them to the vet. Whereas Jed, being more of a, a feeling decision maker, might think, if we don't take care of it, who will? And look at this cute little puppy and you know, making sure that the puppy is well cared for. So again, it's not that I don't care. It's just, I think about the what is impacted before the who. That makes sense? All right, so let's move on to the last one. And this is how we organize things. And I think this one is generally pretty clear for people as well. This is the J versus the P, okay? J stands for judgment, P for perception. So how we organize things. J's tend to be highly organized, desire structure and control. They might be your control freaks or OCD or whatever other kind of titles you would put on someone like that. 
quintessential planners like the deadlines, checklists, love to feel productive. Once they come to a decision, they want to act to bring closure. That's your J. And then P, perception, more flexible, go with the flow, quite spontaneous, open to exploration that leads to unexpected discoveries. They prefer the journey over the destination. Now, I will say for this, Jed and I are the furthest apart on the spectrum you could possibly be. Me, as far as possible on the J side, very strong preference for J, and he has a very strong preference for P. So causes some some collision there. Here is a way to maybe determine if, if it's not clear for you yet. If you're invited to a party or a gathering, are you quick to respond with an RSVP saying you'll be there um, and you put it on your calendar right away? Or do you wait to see if another possibility comes available on that same day? That's a good testing scenario. Or when you bring the groceries home, do you have a single place for every item? Or do you just find a place that fits? Do you keep a daily planner and a to-do list that you monitor throughout the day? All of those types of things will help determine what your preference is. Is it more for flexibility and spontaneity or structure and control? You could also look at your sock drawer, your closet, your desk. How do those look? And then do you like adventure and the journey or do you like the destination? Again, like we talked about. Um, when Jen and I were first married, we would be driving home and we knew we were both, that's where we were going. And he would just all of a sudden take a sharp turn down a road that was not in the direction of home. And that absolutely frustrated me. I would say, what are you doing? And he would often just say, there was something down that road I saw. Let's go take a look. This drove me crazy. I wanted to get home. I had already decided what we were doing next and maybe even had dinner planned and exactly what time we were going to eat it. And, and he wanted to take me on a spontaneous adventure. So I was missing the, the journey for the destination. Um, this is We see this also play out when we go to a grocery store. If we have the kids with us and we're all together doing this family grocery store, I want to go in, get out, and be very efficient about the task at hand. He likes to take the kids on an adventure. And so we've learned to allow them to go. And there's no um, order in my mind to the way they go through the grocery store. For me, it is a very logical, systematic way that's efficient. And for someone that is more on the 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 P side, that's taking away the fun of the adventure, um, which we often meet at the front. Um, once I've completed the grocery shopping and they've completed their fun and the kids have more toys than I was hoping to bring home on this journey that we went on together. But that's just an example of the difference in the J versus P for sure. So I hope that that kind of gives you some idea of the difference and how those can play out. Again, they're not in any way meant to hold people in a, put people in a box or judge them. Um, it's more of a means of understanding and language. So Jed and I can, can talk um, with clarity without judgment, understanding one another's differences and knowing that it's a preference. So my preference for order is not a demand or should not be a demand, um, it's just preference. And then knowing this working in even professional settings, I worked with um, someone who probably had the exact opposite Myers-Briggs type to me, which made things 
tough because we were so different, but we were like this best well-rounded team that we offered to our clients because um, they got to see both me on the, the more judgment side of things, the J and the order and the structure and the thinking decision maker analyzing and, you know, looking at the data and then logically making decisions and thinking through it. And she was very feeling oriented and you know, could really um, wrap her arms around the client. So we became a really good team because we worked together in our differences. And that's where if you can see the difference and work together versus being frustrated by the differences, that would be one win from learning personality differences. So again, thank you so much for, for joining me and look forward to hearing from you and have a great week. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home, where it all begins.